get couches and you go to the top of a hill that's covered in snow and you like sled the couch down the hill and you like face other people in different residence buildings. Welcome to the Ranger Outpost, where we take a deep dive into unique journeys and the not so direct paths of builders, storytellers, and professionals. I'm your host, Richard Lee, and on the show today, we're with Jillian, a proud Canadian living in Reykjavik, Iceland. She's the co-founder of green tech startup called Green Bites, tackling the ever-growing problem of food waste. Other than working to save the world, she is a creative that spends as much time as possible exploring the amazing places she lives in. We will dive into the stories potentially about couch surfing shenanigans, immersing into the culture of Iceland, and the many volcanoes and Instagrammable moments that comes with it. And of course, some dumpster diving for almost fresh groceries. Welcome Jillian to the Ranger Outpost. My name is Jillian. I am a Canadian, very proud Canadian, and I live in Iceland. I lived here for like three years. I came here for a master's degree. It's really great. I fell in love. And then I forced myself upon Icelanders by making my own company so that I could live here for as long as I want. <laughs> so is, is that is that the traditional way how uh, Canadians move to Iceland? They're like, all right, I'm going to go to for, go to for grad school and then second, create a company so I can stick around a little bit. I, I'm the only person I know that's done this. So I don't know if it's like a typical way because I think it's pretty difficult. Like you have to prove that you're providing like uh, expert value mm-hmm. to whatever you're working in. So mm-hmm. you can just like start any company. Like you can start like a store and be like, yeah, I work here now. So note so, to self, if I want to move to Iceland, think of a business proposition. Yeah. Start a company where you're like the guru in whatever you're doing and then justify it. That's all you need to do. That's that's pretty cool. I, I really like that type of idea. Like, hey man, just if you if you're good at something and you can bring some value, like welcome open doors. Exactly. As long as you're bringing value, then I think that everyone. Well, I don't. I can't speak to every country. I've only mm. done this once. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think as long as you're adding value and doing good, then it should all work out. Karma kind of thing, right? Were you in Canada your entire life before moving to Iceland? Yes. I grew up in British Columbia in a small town called Cranbrook, which is in the Rocky Mountains. Small, I mean, it's like 20,000 people. So small for anyone in the States, I guess, right? Yeah. 20,000. 20, yeah, 20,000 is like a small town size. Yeah. yeah. So, so I grew up there in the mountains. And then I moved to Calgary, Alberta, which is a bigger city. Uh, and I lived there until I moved here. Mm-hmm. So I know for our American audience, we don't really know about Canada too much. So can you paint us the picture of like, what is British Columbia? What's that, what's that about? And what is Alberta? And how does that like in American terms might, might be a translation? I think I, I'll appreciate that personally. I mean, yeah, I can paint you a picture of my very, very biased opinion of Canada. Mm-hmm. So there's Eastern Canada where a lot of stuff goes on, but Western Canada I mean, on our license plates in British Columbia, it says the most beautiful place in the world. And I agree. It is amazing. It's the most Western province. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, A lot of people think of Vancouver, but there's so much more to offer. Like, obviously, the coast is amazing, kind mm-hmm. of like Oregon. But I'm from the, in the Rocky Mountains, so like 
the same mountain range that's in Colorado, mm-hmm. but in Canada. Yeah. So tell us a little about how you uh, grew up in like Alberta, how the experience was so far. So growing up in British Columbia <laughs> was great. I I don't know. It was a pretty small town. So I don't know. High school was pretty chill. So I had to leave. It's lovely. It's amazing. There's so much to do around you. Like mm-hmm. you can work an entire day or go to school an entire day and then like go out to like the lake after mm-hmm. and it's amazing because you have like so many options to be outside just like yeah, experience just... what's around you yeah i grew up hiking and skiing doing amazing things with my family but it's a very small town where it's from very mm-hmm. small i guess <laughs> what's what's and... like that uh what's like that main occupation that everyone does in town um, so Cranbrook used to be a mining town ah. is like why it started as a town. And there's still a lot of people that work at like tech coal is like a big mine around there. Mm. Like it mines for the tech coal company. I think it's called tech resources now actually, but mm. anyway, so it was a huge mining town. Now I think less so now it's just like, but I may be completely wrong, but there are a bunch of sawmills around too. So that's mm. an industry there, but I don't really so that's that's awesome. And so you're like, all right, I'm gonna I gotta get out of here. Yeah, gotta leave. Gotta go and like expand my mind and learn more and figure out what I'm gonna do with my life because mm-hmm. I feel like when you go to high school in like a smallish town, you mm-hmm. don't know what's out there. Which is how I have such a strange path to where I got from like where I have gotten to. Like, mm-hmm. There, there's the direct, the, there's no direct route. There's, there's no direct route. There's no one to even tell you that we are like we have these small set of examples and that's kind of it. Yeah, but like I went to university and I started university in an archaeology degree. I was like, this is so cool. I love Indiana Jones. Amazing. Was that your inspiration? <laughs> yeah, hundred <100%. laughs> like, percent. You're like, I, I like, watch is like this is exactly what archaeologists do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have whips and cool hats and they do all these dangerous things. No. The first thing they tell you, like your first class, they're like, if you're in it for Indiana Jones, leave. But like, (laughs) that's not exactly why I went into it. Like Mm. I grew up, my dad was really into like hiking and finding fossils and all of these really cool things. Mm. And there's a lot of like uh, Native American heritage and like you can find like uh, arrowheads all over British Columbia and Alberta. And I always thought it was super cool. And I kind of like that it was like a glimpse into the history. Yeah. But then I went to university and I was like, wow, you can look so much further back in history through geology. Uh, <laughs> so I changed gears to earth sciences, which is like a mixture of geology and geography. Mm. But then found out I was just like really good at physics and switched it to geophysics. <laughs> Which is a very specific major. Like, I don't know many geophysicists. Uh, what's like a classic Canadian story like while you're in university? Because uh, I've, oh. I've, ne- I've been to Canada once for like two yeah. days. What season were you there for? February. And this is mm-hmm. Toronto. Yeah, cold, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it's it really was, cold there. It was, it's expected to be cold. Like, I'm assuming yeah. it's cold here. It's going to be cold there. 
I mean, super Canadian, I guess, would be when I was living in residence, we had these like residence days and we'd have, I think we had one, it was like called the Snowdio. Snowdio, like a rodeo? Like a rodeo in the snow. And there's like a bunch of activities. And okay, this isn't necessarily my personal story, but this event is like a big thing, used to be a big thing. And before I got there, they used to have these like couch racing couch sledding couch so you get so like, couches you get couches and you go to the top of a hill that's covered in snow and you like sled the couch down the hill and you like race other people in different residence buildings because <laughs> there are like all of these games i can't like i can't really remember specific games from like when i was there mm-hmm. other than not real games just my friends like picking me up and throwing me in the snow and like giving me a face wash which is when you pick up snow and shove it in someone's face <laughs> um but the snow ca- this this couch racing thing was it was actually really dangerous and a lot of people got hurt and which is why they didn't do it by the time i got there but mm-hmm. i always wanted to do it yeah that sounds amazing and dangerous but amazing i mean how dangerous <laughs> people like rip down snow like hills in the snow on like gt cruisers which are little like sleds that have skis on the bottom and they're like really fast children do this all the time <laughs> i don't know this might be completely foreign to i mean you especially uh, i haven't seen snow since until i was an adult man so it's this is all fascinating yeah no great times living in residence uh honestly i think was one of the best experiences of my undergraduate degree like so many people that i still call today like from my first year of residence that i still call today that help me make decisions about what I'm doing now and really? like yeah definitely so it was a really I, tight-knit community yeah like they were like my family for not just a year because like you live you're randomly assigned to this mm-hmm. building to this floor mm-hmm. with people and then like you form such like a little family that like mm-hmm. the next year if you're in residence you all try and be on the same floor really yeah yeah they're really great. I'm like, ugh, people I met in residence, like, we just happen to get thrown together. Like, I have a great relationship with them. Some of their moms still, like, message me on Instagram and are like, <laughs> wow, what you're doing in Iceland looks so amazing. I love to hear what you're working on. I love to see pictures of you, like, hiking. or That's sports. so sweet. It's so nice. Like, I think out of my undergraduate degree, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with geology and geoscience. Mm-hmm. So, like... That was amazing. I was in a uh, geophysics undergrad student society. Like it was great. But the people I met in my undergraduate degree were like, they just like lifted me up so much and still continue to do so. That's fascinating. I, I know that's also uh, rather difficult to retain all those like relationships that you had in college too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's glad. I'm really glad to hear that even your the moms <laughs> of your friends are involved. That's the level I want to be. Yeah, like nice. parents involved, like they know me personally. Not not that dude in the random photo on the right corner. Who's this guy? I mean, there's only a handful of them, and like some people that were on my floor. I mean, I think there's like at least thirty, and there's probably like seven I still talk mm-hmm. to. One third, around one third. So how how does geology and physics marry into geophysics? Like, because I have a rough idea what that is. If you could paint that picture out, that'd be amazing. So basically, in geophysics, you're using like 
physical property properties to map the subsurface, I think is like their most basic explanation of it. So you can use seismic waves and see how they change when they travel through the earth yeah. to tell about like different structures that are in there. Yeah. So, so that was like the major focus of my undergraduate degree. For some reason, it, this brings Jurassic Park reference when they shoot down the bullet and they, they just get a ping of the entire ground inside. Like, oh, we found a fossil this way. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, this sounds really bad. I probably should admit that I haven't seen this. No. <laughs> new Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, Jurassic World with Chris Pratt in it? Yeah. So I might be like shunned from all my geoscience friends. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Um, I, I, I think you appreciate the, like the first, uh, first Jurassic Park movie that, mm-hmm. that has that example where they're like, hey, they shoot something into the ground and they get a like a clear image of how these dinosaurs are and they're like archaeologists gonna be dinosaurs soon man and that's kind of like we don't need archaeologists anymore that was really fascinating to see that like early technology implements in that movie yeah i can't speak to it but (laughs) because image and i say image in quotations Mm. that you get is not definitely not clear <laughs> yeah it's just kind of like a rough bearing i'm assuming yeah you need a geophysicist to like make it clear to uh, decipher what is being shown so you are earth translators yeah earth translators yep i like yeah. that <laughs> that's cool that's really cool so mm-hmm. it seems like you went from the indiana Jones archaeologists in the first part of university you pivoted really quick to like hey i want to do geophysics and it seems like there is a market, right? Calgary has this weird, interesting, creative like market around uh, oil and gas. Yeah, um, it so, definitely did. And you're in a completely different path. Yeah. So I did that and I graduated during like a really bad time for oil and gas in Calgary. So, so many geologists that I knew were getting laid off and like just like mass layoffs through really big, well-established companies. So there wasn't a lot to do with, there wasn't a lot of work for geophysicists. So I needed to figure out what I was going to do. I was graduating. I thought I would get a job and buy an apartment there and live Mm -hmm. there forever. But I had actually a couple other friends, one other friend that told me they were going to go do a master's program abroad and I was like wow I could just leave <laughs> and do something completely different mm. like set my run away from the responsibility that I was about to take off mm-hmm. it's like you, I was preordained to be this geophysicist in Calgary researching gas and oil but now I could leave I can leave I think it was really good for me so I applied to a couple places. I to I wanted to go to New Zealand because I've been told it's like a mini British Columbia and I'd like it. I'd love it because it was like exactly what I was used to. I don't mm. know who hasn't seen pictures of New Zealand and been like, wow, I want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> but also applied to a school in Iceland called the Iceland School of Energy. Super late. Like the deadline was Two days after I asked my references for <laughs> for a recommendation, I had one of my professors be like, if this was anyone else, I wouldn't do this. I'm like, you're like, you're telling me to write a reference in a day. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I know, but like I really, I really want to go here because like 
growing up or going to school for any geo related like Iceland is just like such a cool case like yeah it's like the example of like igneous rocks and like it's literally it's on the mid-atlantic ridge Mm -hmm. and there's new earth earth being created and it's just like everyone learns about it and it's so cool plus also i think almost everyone's seen pictures of iceland (laughs) and it's a really cool place this fascinating wonderland in the middle of nowhere yeah like it sometimes it feels like you're on a completely different planet i could see that you're, you're so away you're so far away from like everything else and it's his own like secluded country yeah, in some sense definitely. like literally in the middle of the ocean and some parts of it like kind of look like what you think mars would look like i think nasa even did research for some sort of rover here as well i believe really? Really? yeah because it's like such strange terrain and it's so like vastly different in parts of the world or mm. uh, not of the world <laughs> in parts of Iceland, like yeah. huge changes. So uh, I applied, I got in and I had other job opportunities, but everyone in my family was like, you're never going to get another chance to like go move to Iceland and live mm-hmm. there or like even move anywhere because yeah. the older you get the harder it is for you to actually live somewhere else which is weird like a lot of places like once you're over 33 you can't just go and live there there you like Wait, what yeah so a lot of places have like um young professional visas so you can like as long as you're like under a certain age it's easier and less expensive to get a visa to go there yeah but once you go over this age, it's a lot harder. That's interesting. Yeah. Like growing up, I lived on also on another island, the like island of Guam in the Pacific. Yeah. And we, I didn't know this when I was growing up until like later, but we've, I had to get a visa everywhere I went pretty much because yeah. everything around us was a different country. And then like the closest like US uh, territory is Hawaii, which is eight, eight yeah. hours of flight on to the east. <sighs> They were like, all right, what's closer? Well, Japan, Korea, and Philippines are about a two-hour flight away. Let's go there. And they're like, ticket prices are like $250. It's like, how much it will cost for a person in New York to go down to Florida? Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's that, that type of thing. So like visas, I never thought were supposed to be this long-term thing. That's fascinating to hear. Yeah, different visas. Like I have applied for visas to go to mm-hmm. like Vietnam and stuff like that. And those are pretty easy and inexpensive, but like a visa to live somewhere else, they can be so, so expensive. Expensive. Yeah. Technically in Iceland, I don't need a visa to live here. I need Mm. a residence permit, which is a reason that I'm living here. And initially that was cool. It's quite, I wouldn't say it's easy. Like there's so much paperwork and you have to jump through so many hoops. And if you are missing a paper, it's, so much longer and it takes so much time and i'm honestly very envious of all of the people that are part of the european economic area and can just travel to so Mm. many countries and just be where they want to be the industry got rocked something happened in that area so you're like all right i'm gonna go to iceland fam's like go for it uh you fly in or like do you you remember like when you were packing to go to iceland like oh my god i'm doing this yeah It's really weird because when I got dropped off at my undergraduate degree, I remember being dropped off there and like falling, like just 
crying because I was moving so far away from all my friends, from everyone and starting something new. And I remember when I moved to Iceland, I like packed up and I had so much stuff. Like I had two, a backpack and the carry-on and then like my check bags. And I was sitting on the plane beside this couple that were going to Iceland for their, they were like engaged or first trip together or something like that. I was talking to this girl, which is strange because I don't usually talk to people on flights. <laughs> And I told her that I was moving to Iceland and I was going to start this degree and everything. She's like, wow, you seem so calm. And I was like, yeah, like, it's not a big deal. <laughs> and inside you're screaming. No, like I was totally you were calm You were calm by then. So yeah. you were calm by the plane. Okay. The crying was like when I got dropped off my undergraduate okay. degree when I was 18. This is when I had finished my undergraduate degree. Okay. So I got those two mixed up. Yeah. No, like, I just felt so calm and it just felt right. And I was excited. And I did go on this really big trip with some of my friends to Southeast Asia right before I did that. So I think that might have prepared me because I was yeah. like out in the world with only two people that probably prepared me quite a bit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no, it's no big deal. I'm just like moving there. I'm just going to school. Like, it's gonna be great. It's only gonna be two years. Now here I am almost four years in. So you land, you land in Iceland. You're like, you're battle hardened from your travels in Southeast Asia. And you're like, okay, I'm used to new things being in uncomfortable locations. Yeah. How was like your first like couple days to a year experience in Iceland? The first couple days, the first, when I first got there, I was like, I have no idea what to do. I had arranged to stay with this family for a month before I got to move into my apartment. I had arranged here. So I went to the bus stop where they told me to get off and it was awkward. I was in a totally different place than the guy that was picking me up. And I had no cell phone because I just moved from Canada. And I was like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> um, but we found each other and I went back to their house and there were two other, soon to be three other students that were going to be in the same program living mm -hmm. in the same building. Yeah. So the first person I met was this uh, guy from the Netherlands named Thomas. It was so great. And we went for coffee because I was like, I have no idea what to do. Like, I'm just here and school didn't start yet. So I was like, uh, what do I do? So yeah. we went and walked through some lava fields and went and got coffee and walked down by the harbor where mm. I was. And it was like the nicest day ever. And we became like really, really good friends immediately, obviously, because you're thrown into this yeah. new situation. Neither of you know each other. And he probably was one of the reasons I did a lot of things in the first couple of days because he was like, yeah, I know so much about Iceland. And I was like, I don't, I was just going to like figure it out as I go. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm going to go pick up, I'm going to go pick up my car and we can go see these things. Mm -hmm. And we live like really, really far away from the school. So he also drove me to and from the school when we started classes. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was really, really lucky that I was living in the same place as the person. Like, it was really good. But then we started school and I often am like this, where I'm like much more comfortable around a group of guys than I am around a group of girls. Mm. <laughs> and because I already had one of those friends, like I already was friends with this, this guy. Yeah. Uh, I just hung out with all the guys. And I remember one of my friends, like I'm obviously really good friends with all of the girls now. But one of them was like, yeah, I thought you were so weird. Like all the girls were hanging out together. And then there was just like you and all these dudes. <laughs> I was like, oh, I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> this guy was great. They yeah. helped me out and just started a, started a chain reaction. Yeah. 
That was like the first couple days. Mm-hmm. And then we were there for a summer school. So it was really great. We got to travel around Iceland, part of Iceland, and we got to see all these really cool things. They took us to into the highlands. We saw the power plants and we learned a lot about the energy in Iceland. So we were on a summer school and they showed us like so many places, so many cool waterfalls, so many cool geothermal areas. Uh, and we were basically this group of 32 people just like stuck together for, I think it was just a week of traveling around. Wow. Um, I, I was expecting like small field trips here and there, but I like, know this is a full like on traveling group. Well, there was, we did an overnight trip once, but it was like, we went out a lot from the school. Yeah. So this is also your, like, uh, the grad school class. Yeah. Everyone, not everyone is in the grad school. There are some people that are just taking the summer school and mm. they, they usually come the next year to, to, yeah. to do the master's program. They're just like trying it out. They're trying it out. Let me explore Iceland a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people do that. They come here to like, for some sort of short program and then they fall in love with it and they're just like, I'm moving. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that that i feel like the iceland uh tourism bureau is like this is how we grab people <laughs> yeah i mean there's just something so enchanting about it like mm-hmm. i mean yeah bad days are bad but it's dark and gray but the good days like there's no other feeling like when it's nice in iceland it is like unimaginable it's like i'm speechless every time it's just like so beautiful outside and that's that sounds, how they get you. That sounds like the American equivalent of Seattle. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> amazing spring weather or always kind of raining gray weather. You get one or the other. Yeah, it's very similar, like coastal, mm. coastal kind of thing. So that's awesome. I think that's I think that I didn't because I I've heard stories about uh, especially like Iceland or Greenland having those really weird days like right, where it's like either super sunny for a long time or like really dark for a long time. Yeah, I mean, in the winter, the shortest day, I think we only have three and a half hours of sunlight. Mm-hmm. It's dark. <laughs> did, did that affect and you then, in any way? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I take a lot of vitamins. Um, this year's not as bad as previous years, but I think it's because mm-hmm. the weather's been pretty nice. Um, hasn't been so rainy. But the darkness definitely affects you. You definitely end up sleeping a lot more if you don't take vitamin d supplements they put it in the milk here so wait they put the vitamin d in the milk yeah they put vitamin d in milk so that you have a supplement mm-hmm. that you know what's fascinating they also do something similar to that in japan yeah where they add fiber because there's like no fiber in the diet yeah you have to so, trick people into <laughs> so the government's like we need to just put these in the drinks now trick them <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it's good. They're looking out because it's so important to take yeah. vitamin D when you're not used to it. But I came, like, in Canada, it's also, mm-hmm. the days are a lot shorter in the winter. So when people are like, aren't you worried about the darkness? They're like, mm-hmm. no, 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 like, it's fine. Like, it's the same in Canada. But it's literally not, like, not even close. Not even close. The sun also, in Canada, like, it's yeah. up between, like, 8.30 and 4. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a short time. But it's a it, short like, day. It comes up. Yeah, short days. But it comes up into the sky. Like, you can see the sun. In Iceland, it's between, like, 11.30 and 3.30 at its darkest. But it just, like, comes up over the horizon, so it gets, like, lighter. 
and then it goes down. It's kind of like there's always a slight sunrise and that's your sun for the day. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like just sunrise, sunset, and it's beautiful. <laughs> but most of the time it's cloudy, so I don't know. Ah, the- but on the opposite side, the summer, there's a ton of light and it's so much energy and it feels like you have like so much time to do everything you want. The yeah. day's not over until midnight. <laughs> midnight? Yeah, we have a midnight sun here in the summer. So like sometimes it won't get like dusky until like 12, 31 a.m. Mm-hmm. So you just like lose track of it and you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have to get up <laughs> at 8 a.m. tomorrow and here it is too. And it's I don't still, know. <laughs> still like by 2 a.m. I'm assuming there's a glimmer of sun at that point, not the full on. Not the full on brightness, but like it's still light out. Like yeah. You have to close your blinds or else it's you, light. You must there. all have very thick, like light blinds, like dampeners. Oh, yeah, definitely. You have to. to like to get any form of regular sleep. Blackout blinds, and then I yeah. also like wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's a double double protection. That's that's very <laughs> smart. Um, I'm, I'm actually very curious. So, like, your first year, like your first few months in, in the summer program, you're like, you got everything. You got the honeymoon phase of Iceland. Like, I think your first sentence was like, I walked past like lava rocks and then went to the harbor. I'm like, that sounds like a romantic comedy movie. Um, yeah. Just like everything sounds beautiful. Uh, at what point did your view of Iceland's like, oh, it's different outside of the summer. And then you're like, it gets darker. Um, culture's a little different as the seasons change. Yeah, it's not that different Mm. than North America. It's like a weird mixture of Europe and North America. Really? You know when you go somewhere and you have culture shock and it's like, wow, everything's so different here? It's not like that. Like, I never had culture shock while I was here. Really? Yeah. Like, everyone... This sounds bad to say, because if you live in a place, you should learn the language. And I am learning Icelandic. I'm terrible at it, but I'm learning. <laughs> but everyone speaks English, so if you need something, and like if you apologize and like, please, like, is it okay if we speak English? Everyone's like, yeah, of course. I'm perfectly fluent in English. <laughs> I, just, I spent time in the states going to school. I like basically have an American accent. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> but like, it's not hard. Like. Yeah, so it's not like it's not like you moving to France and they're like, if you don't speak French, you don't get to speak at all. If you don't speak French, you don't eat. No, it's not like that. <laughs> Definitely not like that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you should learn Icelandic. I am learning Icelandic. How, how is that, that language? Like, it, like I've heard of it. Other, I, all, other than the words being very long, that, <laughs> that's all I know about it. Yeah, so, some of them are long, but some are short. <laughs> ah. I'm not going to say anything because I'm terrible just just one word what's like a very classic icelandic slang a saying or slang 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 Slang? yeah slang slang. sometimes they like icelandicize english words like they'll say nice but spell it differently yeah with their word weird like ae yeah in the middle like n and then this ae letter and then s and that's nice And like sometimes my friends will like text me these like in like Icelandicized English words. I'm like, what are you trying to say? They're like, say it out loud. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's like I'm already trying to learn another language. What does this mean? <laughs> yeah, but they have they have sayings like "feta redis," which is like it'll work out or kind of 
like the Hakuna Matata type of format? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There was one point where me and Renata was on this podcast, but different time. My co-founder of Green Bites, we haven't even got there yet. <laughs> <laughs> the journey was um, so fascinating. Yeah, but we we would like she knows more languages than I do. Like I only know English. Mm-hmm. Uh, we learned some French in school, but not a lot, especially in the West yeah. um, of Canada. And, but she knows like German, Spanish, some French, some Italian, English, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like learning the language for her was really easy. She'd like give me all of these <laughs> sayings. Like I have like sticky notes on my desk, with, like all of these sayings, <laughs> <laughs> like a weekly saying, I can't recall all of them right now. <laughs> what's, but, what's, what's this week's weekly saying? Well, I don't have, we don't do it anymore. We're in, what? We're in quarantine. We're not in quarantine, but we're like social distancing. I'm not at the office. Oh. Uh. <laughs> one. Oh, uh, I have my own. It's not that I don't know what it means. It's a saying that I refuse to say because it's so hard to say. And it's, Gerdo, Gerdo Sobel, which means like, here you go. Or like, you're welcome when you mm-hmm. give someone like food or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm so bad at saying it. Like I probably just butchered it. Um, that sounded I, great to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always like people are always like, Oh, talk for it, whatever I gave them. And I'm always like, yes, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Now I have to leave now. <laughs> Forget this face exists. I'm just going to leave the store now. And then they all look at me and they're like, you know what to say. And I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> um, But it's just because I, I don't know, I'm shy about it. I want to be exactly right when I say the Icelandic yeah. thing. <laughs> it's, it's tough. Like new languages are tough. And like the first, like honestly, year or two, it's just like, this is going to be butchered. Just deal with it for a while and we'll get there. Yeah. 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 Uh, on the topic of dealing with it and to get there. Um, so like you finish your uh, university or grad- graduate experience in Iceland, the School of Energy. Mm-hmm. What, like when you're graduating, I, I'm assuming you're thinking like, I'm going to either go home, I'm going to stick around. So tell me a little about your thought process. Well, I, let's say month is it? It's November. Okay, so I finished my master's degree. I took a little more time than the two years that it was going to take because I did a bunch of really cool field work that uh, was very seasonal, seasonally dependent. I had to wait until <laughs> there wasn't a bunch of snow and it didn't yeah. get dark. So I took a little extra time and I finished my thesis in September. So had someone asked me in uh, July what I was going to do after I graduated, I was like, I hate the winter here. I can't be here. I'm moving away. I'm done. I've been here. I've done it. We're over. Uh-huh. But as I was finishing up my thesis, um, Renata, who I just mentioned, <laughs> I did get over this whole like only hanging out with the guys in my class thing. And I did become very <laughs> over, the, over, the, over the last two years, I did. <laughs> over the two years, I expanded and developed and became friends with everyone. Mm-hmm. And there's this one really, really, really great girl. I mean, they're all great, but there's one <laughs> <laughs> that changed my life. And she, her name's Renata. <laughs> and I was finishing my thesis and she had decided she was going to stay here. She was working for an energy company. She had a part-time job at a cafe, or not a cafe, a juice place. Juice place, yeah. 
I had a part-time job at a cafe and I had taken some classes in machine learning and data mining. Mm-hmm. And she was working at Lansbergen with, which is the national energy company. I say that like people should know what that is, but they shouldn't. <laughs> they should, they should. <laughs> um, doing some stuff with siting for wind turbines mm-hmm. and about forecasting for wind. Through her graduate degree, she did all of this stuff trying to reduce waste in the juice mm-hmm. place she worked with. Because like Iceland is kind of known for foreigners from the expat point of view mm-hmm. a lot of people dumpster dive like i remember when i first moved here a lot of people were like yeah just go in like outside of the grocery store into the dumpster and like you can get all this free food because as you can imagine food is really expensive here and there's yeah. all these all of these like sustainable energy like eco students and they're yeah. like yeah there's free food <laughs> <laughs> so i was told about this and at first i was horrified i was like you're kidding. That's like, ridiculous. You are Here. going into the trash to find food. Yeah, I was like, and then they'd be like, no, it's like literally perfectly fine. Like crazy. But at this bakery that I worked at, like, yeah, there was a lot of food waste at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. a lot of people would try and like take it home or give it to their friends and all this stuff. But like, there's only so much bread you can eat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Renato was trying these things with like, recording waste to try mm-hmm. to quantify it and then try yeah. to like waste reduce it um and it was all super unsuccessful so i was still in iceland to my disappointment <laughs> finishing my thesis mm-hmm. was ready to be done and get it over with when renata's like hey i have this project that i want to work on do you want to do it with me and she explained that she wanted to use machine learning and forecasting to predict how much restaurants needed to order so that they wouldn't order too much so it wouldn't get thrown away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, that sounds interesting. Like, definitely possible. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to finish up my thesis. We can definitely make a website for this and apply to this program that you want to go in. Sure, why not? Yeah. So we applied to this program. Two programs, actually, and they were at the Two same programs. time. One was more like a competition, and then the other one was an accelerator. Okay, so one's um, short, one's long. Yeah, and think like neither of us have any idea about business, like no idea about business. We're mm-hmm. both, Renato's a mechanical engineer, I have a geophysics undergraduate degree, we both have stable energy degrees, and we're like, I don't know, let's do it. So we went into this business, like, <laughs> um, where you had to come up with a one-pager and a business plan and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and we did really well, and people responded really 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 mm. well it's doing. a real print it's a real pain that you're addressing yeah and has the potential to make such a difference because one third of all food is thrown away and wasted in I- is, is this in iceland or no, everywhere in the globally, world yeah globally yeah so like it's a problem like that's a lot of food other mm. people i always think of like when my <laughs> When my mom, when I wouldn't finish my food, my mom would be like, there are kids that are starving. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not. (laughs) Terrible. Like, maybe just make less next time. Maybe buy less. It's like, give me less food, mother. (laughs) Yeah. We started working on this. We did really well. We won prize after prize after prize. Mm -hmm. And I stayed for it because... 
not because it was easy, because it just felt right. Like yeah. we were doing something that was, I thought we both think, still think, was super important and we were succeeding. So why wouldn't I stay? Why wouldn't I stay and work on yeah. this thing that is doing good, is and successful. Yeah, it's successful. Yeah. Right. That's that's a hard thing to give up. I, I think a lot of people don't understand um, the feeling of starting something like that because you and I are both in startup world, which is like yes. the opposite world of corporate. Yeah. So what would you say is like the diff? It doesn't seem like you've done corporate work like for full time wise. Um, like here and there throughout my undergraduate degree, yeah. I worked for the government of Canada at mm-hmm. the Geological Survey, Geologic Survey of Canada. Yeah. It's not private sector, it's public sector, yeah. so it's quite different yeah. than working corporate. I mean, I have this idea of what it would be yeah. like to work for some big company. What what, you, what is your idea? <laughs> <laughs> like, paint the picture. Well, this um, <laughs> is that. I, my idea of it is walking into an office, turning on my computer, doing work for the day, turning off my computer, walking out and living my life outside of. You're not wrong. That's pretty accurate. (laughs) Like it lives in that space between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. 8 to 5, 9 to 5. I don't know. 8 to 5, 8 to 5. Yeah. Yeah. It lives in that space and like that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, but I never wanted that. Like when I was talking to people I worked with, whether it was my the other TAs or just students, other students that I was working with. Mm. I never wanted to be like just like a cog and just like yeah. do work. Mm. And I've had so many conversations about how I always wanted to like do what I was doing and be the best at it and try and like level up. Yeah. Always. And I feel like I didn't even start at the bottom. I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to go into a startup and just like elevate everything I do. You know, mm. like I feel like I skipped the bottom four <laughs> floors. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in this position now where it was all on me, not just me, like obviously mm. my team, but yeah. me. Yeah. Like it's high impact. It's yeah. proportional to how much work you put in if you're going to succeed. Yeah. So I feel like I skipped a bunch of steps of what I always imagined mm. my working life would be like. So it's like, you got to learn how to run before you learn how to walk, that, that type of ideology. Yeah. So like, okay, so you're, you've become this co-founder of Green Bites, which is an amazing company. Renata had a great story of how it all started. And the primary goal was to reduce food waste using data, mm-hmm. right? To, that's like the brief introduction to it. Uh, what were some like stories about running it that were like, here's some like, unexpected challenges or like some fun stories that you can share with us it's hard to say because an unexpected challenge was definitely covid (laughs) but i think that everything that came out of like being in quarantine and restaurants not doing so well is actually Mm -hmm. going to work out very very well for us so we hadn't launched by the time i said went into social distancing don't go into Mm -hmm. work don't go to restaurants kind of thing so that was really good because I think it would have been really, really bad for us if we just started, like, just started people off using our services. And then yeah. they were like, well, everything's gone to crap. We can't do this. Yeah. Right? So uh, every, like, I mean, being in a startup is really, really difficult. It's like a mm-hmm. roller coaster. 
it's really hard. And sometimes you feel like you're not making any progress. Yeah. But then you look back at where you were, like when I look back at where we were a year ago, the progress we've made is like so insane. Like where we were then and where we are now, we're going to start as a service. And now Mm -hmm. we're developing a progressive web application for people to use. And Mm -hmm. even like when we started designing this, right, the progressive web application right before uh, February, it's a hundred percent different, like completely different. We've had so much input from so many people and there have been so many online hackathons or accelerators or things that have just like elevated what Mm -hmm. we're doing and let us grow so much in kind of like a safe space because everything is slightly on pause. So the fact that we're developing right now isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. And then also, so part of this is that reducing food waste at this stage before food waste is a problem, Mm -hmm. it like reduces some costs. So then we can also help restaurants get back up on their feet and reduce the costs that they don't necessarily need to spend. So I think it's been good for us, but like, yeah. Startup life is not easy. Sometimes it's, it's slow, easy. and I feel like I'm not doing anything. But then you look back on what you've done, and you're like, "Wow, I made this out of nothing." Mm-hmm. It's it's a tough feeling because um, uh, you're absolutely right. Like I try to explain how much of a roller coaster the startup experience is. It's like, hey, man, this you don't know what's gonna happen today to a point, but you also feel kind of bad about not doing more during the day. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Definitely. It's still still on you, right? Like, I got to do this to do that. So, like, it is is really interesting to see it. But it never turns off, is the thing. It never turns off. I never never turn off my computer and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do my stuff for the day. I'm always thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know. I do other things. I draw things. And I'm like, oh, I could, like, draw, like, this thing for our company or, like, try and, like, do this and, like, Mm -hmm think about the design of something or like it's you're always thinking about it Mm -hmm. you're always thinking about it you're like oh my goodness like only if only we could do this and it's like it's like 11 o'clock at night you're in you're in bed and you're like thinking about like can i just go to sleep just (laughs) just just for today (laughs) yeah renata always tells me she's like yeah i woke up at 3 a.m and i just like had like visions about where we're gonna be in the next couple months i'm like wow 3 a.m. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> it's it's true. Like I've I've personally experienced it myself, especially because you're in like in the you have to win or it fails. Yeah, you have to. There's no other option. You have to put mm. your all into it. Yeah. I mean, if you're not putting your all into it, then like why why, why do you why do are you this? doing it? <laughs> right. It's such a different thought process than like um like my friends who have like just salaries and like large companies are like yeah like I do my job. I'm very proud of it. Like they, they enjoy it to a point, uh, but it doesn't live and die by their input to a, to a, to a certain point, especially yeah. with us. You know, like you got a hundred thousand employees compared to like four, yeah, or five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's that's it's so fascinating to hear the green bite story, uh, and and your personal input to it. Um, I, I'm actually really curious. Is are there any books or media that you look at that inspires you? It's a hard question because I really love to read, but I don't do it often. Mm. Um, so I do have a favorite book. 
I forget what it's called in the States because it has a different name in Canada, I believe. What's the Canadian name? The Book of Negroes. And I love it so much because I love any book that shows how people overcome their struggles. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite, my favorite scheme of all time, like some like real life struggles and how mm-hmm. people overcome it. And also I think Lawrence Hill is like an amazing writer who writes this book. But yeah, it's one of my favorite books. Uh, other than that, my favorite media, I can't pick a favorite movie. I think all movies, I'm like shocked by movies that people show me that are like good movies because I don't mm. put the effort into finding good movies. Mm. It just like, comes to you. Wow. Like, oh. Yeah, my boyfriend is like really into good movies and he shows mm. me movies that I never, never in a million years would have chose. And yeah. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. I can't get over it. I want to watch it again, but never, never. We never watch a movie play. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a favorite movie because I think all like movies provide such different value. Yeah. But I do have favorite podcasts. Ooh. Yes. Um, other than my new favorite podcast, which I am talking on <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, I really, really, really like to listen to like 99% of Visible. Oh, uh, by Roman Mars. Oh, it's so good. His voice. Someone told me this when I started listening, when they suggested yeah. it to me. But his voice is like butter. And I was like, it is. It is. He's he's one of my inspirations to start this podcast. So I'm like, how can I make my voice sound like his? I really like things that are also based on historical events, like historical fiction is Mm -hmm. my go to. If you want to listen or not listen, I don't know what I'm saying. Read a nice landic based historical fiction that I really think is good. It's honestly been so long the last time i read like multiple novels in more than like a long period of time is my parents Mm -hmm. came to visit and my dad dropped my cell phone in a hot pot when we were driving around the ring road on the first day so we were like in this hot pot it started snowing i was like i'm gonna put my cell phone under your towel don't forget that it's there (laughs) two minutes later picks it up drops it in the water my phone's gone (laughs) (laughs) so on this road trip all i had to do like i had my um ipad so i could download books yeah i read like four novels i read like the alchemist i read this book about this icelandic crime story and one more i forget what it was called i think it was a bell jar um and i read like three books within a week Mm -hmm. and then after that i think at christmas last year i read two and i one was like wicked because it was like in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> I also found the American uh, name uh, for the book is so once it's called "Someone Knows My Name." Someone knows my name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I actually did a quick Google search and said, "There's a big reason why this would have never been named this in the United States." And I was like, "Yep, you're right." Yeah, yeah. I, as I said, I, it's only the Canadian name that I know. But yeah, it's such a good book. Hmm. I read it. I think I stole it. Didn't steal it. I borrowed it from <laughs> borrowed <laughs> one of my friends, like sisters in high school, and it's my favorite book. Well, if you're gonna steal anything, steal a book. It's it's the best way to learn. <laughs> my favorite way to find novels that I want to read are based off of recommendations from other people. I feel like it also gives me some like 
some insight into what they think as well, how they feel. That is true. It's like the external brain, essentially. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's bond. Like if your friend recommends a book to you, I feel like you're bonding. You're definitely bonding with them over reading the same story, and yeah. it's such a commitment too. Yeah. It's not just hey, I watched this movie. Which there's some movies that do that, um, but books like I have to sit down and read the next amount of pages. Yeah. So, but yeah, like to finish up this podcast. Um, I, I know I took you a little over time. Uh, we will end with the favorite questions I always like asking, which are like the three main advice pieces, lessons, tidbits that you would like to share with the audience. Mm, right. Uh, I was supposed to think about this, but I didn't. <laughs> um, so the number one would be that any preconception of what you think your life is going to be like, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it might be, it very well might be if you, if that's what you really, really want, but there's just like so many opportunities out there and like ask me a year ago, maybe a year ago now, but like a year, 14 months ago, if you asked me where I thought I was going to be, I would not have said here. Not at all. Uh, second is to, I feel like these are generic, but anyway, take all the opportunities that you can because if I didn't take this opportunity, I wouldn't still be living in Iceland. Well, I mean, the opportunity to move to Iceland first of all, first of all, first. <laughs> the opportunity to move to Iceland, if I didn't take that, I obviously wouldn't be here. But so much good has come out of this opportunity that Renata gave me to work on this project. And I couldn't have imagined like how far we could have taken, we have taken it so far and the fact that it was just like a yeah like i'll just do this in my spare time kind of thing and it just turned into this amazing thing that is literally my reason for living <laughs> right now <laughs> so that's two and then third is that things will usually work out for you i have a really big problem with worrying about uh, like, I don't know if my visa application is going to go through, if I'm going to mm. get kicked out of the country, if my flights because of COVID are going to be ruined and I'm going to be stuck somewhere. I always have all of these like things that live in my brain, but you just need to remind yourself that things will work out and if they mm. don't work out, eventually they will and it'll probably be for the better. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think our listeners would greatly appreciate that. And it's it's coming from the perspective of someone who's just gone through that roller coaster ringer a couple times. Yeah. I feel like it's what so many people say all the time, but it's just like it's there's a reason that people say it. Like it's so true. Things will work out. You don't take opportunities. You're gonna miss all the shots. There's the same for it. You're gonna miss all the shots that you don't take. <laughs> it's very true. It's very wow. true. It's it's so simple. It's cliche, but it's grounded in the foundational sentiment, right? Like it, yeah. it's gonna happen that way. I mean, I feel like a walking, talking stereotype, but like, it's all true. It's Experienced, all true. tried, tested. It's true. <laughs> it's it's. There's a reason why, like time and time again through multiple generations like that comes out yeah so it's, it's there's, there's there's a lot of truth in it 
Well, thank you, Jillian, so much for being the guest on the podcast. Uh, it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Talking to you was great, amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the episode of the Ranger Outpost. We'd love to hear from you, so send us some comments and feedback to at Ranger Outpost on Instagram as we set up our official website and email address.